All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll catch up on the latest from the NFL offseason, already a wild one before this past week, and we have several more big moves, a lot of trades to talk about. Deshaun Watson, no longer with the Texans, now the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Two of the game's top receivers in Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill were also moved in blockbuster trades. We'll give our thoughts on those, as well as other big moves from the past week. Before discussing the opening weekend of March Madness, first two rounds are in the books. We'll talk about all the upsets, all the big surprises, big storylines, and look ahead to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Finally, we'll conclude this episode by answering five questions on the new free agency deals for Carlos Correa and Trevor Story, the NHL trade deadline, the ending to the latest season of The Bachelor, and more. So with that, let's get started. So remember about a year ago, we did an episode where we had a segment where we were talking about Bath and Body Works. There was like a fight in a mall somewhere and it turned into me opening a bunch of soaps and tell, talking about all my favorite ones. Yeah. And, and I talked about how I, if I ever saw Kyrie Irving there, <laughs> it could be a same predicament. You said that? I did say that. Yeah. If, oh, if, uh, was... if Kyrie Irving, I don't know what led to it. Maybe we talked about Kyrie as well. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I just listened to that part and I don't remember you saying and that. I... It was probably later. We were talking about the All-Star game, so maybe he came up. That probably explains know. it then. Because I, yeah. I swore he was in the news for something during that time last year. And yeah, I, I remember I mean, he's always in the news, so maybe. I just remember saying that if if I ever saw him there, then... It could be a fight you, number two. That would be the fight. Yeah. yeah. I don't no, think I, I'd I win, you, but. <laughs> you were talking about getting in a fight at uh, Bed Bath & Beyond over a PlayStation or other household goods. Oh, that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so maybe with Kyrie there. But uh, anyway, I, one soap that you really enjoyed was the Hip Hop Hooray, which was oh, Sprinkle yeah? Donut. Yeah, you're a big fan of that. So I do, I do um, love that song. Yeah, I opened this uh, this year's version of the sprinkled donut scent it's called some bunny loves you oh yeah said, yeah not maybe not as fun but it has like this like cute little uh like a little rabbit hugging like a like a baby chick mm-hmm. so it's fun it's my number two favorite scent all time still island margarita number one but sprinkled donut still comes in at two so very excited to be using that one over the next week or two but that's cool anyway yeah yeah of course anyway let's let's get into this um nfl free agency we talked about a lot of moves last week a lot has happened even the the past two weeks the aaron Rodgers and russell wilson trade a lot of deals signed in the opening days of free agency and there's still a lot that continues to go on 
Uh, you know, I know that the uh, college basketball March Madness is happening, but you can make a case that the NFL is uh, just as as mad this March. That's what I was. All these deals. That's what I was just about to say when I texted the group chat about the Tyreek Hill news. You said, "Is is the NFL free agency the real March Madness?" And right. I you have know. a good point there. Yeah. It's been a lot, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that one later. But let's start with the quarterback news, and of course, the biggest one: Deshaun Watson finally traded by the Houston Texans. It seemed like it was down to either the Falcons or the Saints, but uh, last second reversal has him with the Cleveland Browns, who traded three first round picks and more. And gave him a fully guaranteed five-year, $230 million extension. Now, of course, Watson is a great player. Should immediately help the Browns' chances to not only get back to the playoffs, but make some noise when they get there. And, of course, there's also the controversy that comes with this. The, the 22 allegations of sexual assault. He is not being charged criminally, which allowed teams to kind of move forward with this. The civil cases are still there. There's a lot that you can really talk about with this Watson move. But I guess what are your immediate reactions in terms of Cleveland making this deal, both the trade and, of course, the contract extension? Well, on the field, I think it's a great move because I think the Browns, even though I was certainly wrong about how good they'd be last year, I think upgrading at the quarterback position, I think that improves their chances immensely we kind of forget how Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback in the league uh before he got hurt or not before he got hurt before he got uh yeah before he, he didn't play last before year. he didn't play yeah. last Statistically, year Statistically, even on a bad Texans team he I think he led the league in passing yards yeah and, and you know was way up there in most statistical categories and then yeah even after a year off from not being able to play because of his off the field issues. He's still a top 10 quarterback in the league and who knows, maybe he can even be better next year, given that he gets to play now. Of course he may, he might be suspended though for the first X number of games. Cause I would, I would think so. Like, I, I guess we'll see what happens. He still has the civil cases open. There's definitely a precedent for him to be suspended. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least a few games to start the season. At least, Probably four, I'd imagine, right? Antonio Brown got eight. So probably somewhere mm-hmm. in that four to eight game range, depending on what happens, um, you know, the legal right. proceedings at this point. But yeah, it's definitely an upgrade over Baker Mayfield because I feel like I think Baker had every everything he needed to succeed there. I know he had an injury uh, to his shoulder earlier in the year, but at the same time, he had he had the O-line, the running backs, the coaching he did have receiving uh, at one point until their best receiver decided that he had enough of Baker and Cleveland. Yeah, and then all of a sudden so. Odell went uh-huh. and won a Super Bowl with LA. So how, even though I'm an Odell hater, how can I say that what happened last year in Cleveland was his fault if he just left and ended up winning a Super Bowl? So I think it's, it totally makes sense from Cleveland's standpoint to upgrade at the position and but at the same time, even though it's an upgrade at the position and it's great for them on the field, off the field, there's definitely a lot of controversy on whether or not it was the right decision morally because of what. Yet yeah, yes, he's not charged criminally for any of the charges that's that is against Deshaun Watson. But at the same time, you even though he's not guilty, you kind of think in the back of your mind that all right, well 
he probably still did something, right? Especially when there are twenty two. Yeah, you can't assume full innocence. Twenty two right? cases. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah, a lot of a lot of numbers against him. I mean, the way that I look at this is any team that was interested in him, like yes, he's a great quarterback. You know, one of the best in the league, but it's a move out of desperation. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that you acquire him. It's going to be a PR nightmare. The Browns are already dealing with that. It took them two days to announce this deal. Haven't put out multiple statements about how they had exhaustive research into everything that he's dealing with, which I think there's plenty of disputes about whether or not they actually did that. It sounds like they didn't even talk to any of the victims. They didn't talk to the you know the prosecutor Tony Busby who he's sketchy in his own right but yeah I think it's just a move out of desperation the Browns are a very good team they have a Super Bowl caliber roster by all accounts I mean their defense was very good they had a really strong offensive line they have two great running backs they have they at least had some great receivers they brought in Amari Cooper to replace Odell and seemingly yeah, Jarvis and when Landry. that move happened I was so bummed out one because he didn't go to the Patriots but two because Oh, great. He's stuck in Cleveland with Baker. He's, he's going to have a, a similar year to Odell where he's going to not get targeted a lot and complain and want his, want his way out. But then all of a sudden when they make the Deshaun Watson move, it's like, wow, this is a great. Now it, it looks a lot. It looks a lot better. Yeah. But of course, I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to is that these are teams that are like, we need a quarterback. Like we can't just go forward with who we have right now. And we're willing to deal with all of these outside stuff and hope for the best with this. And I I think that's kind of the mindset. And, you know, there are plenty of other teams that could have been interested in Watson. They could have gone out and made a move, but they decided, no, we'd rather stick with the quarterback. We have hope that he can kind of reach a ceiling that is similar to Watson. And, also hope that he doesn't run into this uh, off the field legal issue because it's not fun having a franchise quarterback with allegations like this and having to deal with that. And the Browns have, uh, you know, a lot of their fans I know have directed a lot of comments over the years to Steelers and their fans, and now they're going to have to deal with it. And if he succeeds on the field, wins, you know, takes him to the playoffs, takes him to the Super Bowl, even then it's going to be easy for them to overlook it. But if he doesn't have that kind of success and if the you know the browns continue to be the browns and fall short then it's just going to make this look even worse on their part what's also funny about this is that i think deshaun watson might be the first player ever to choose cleveland and and not someone someone trades for uh without his uh, approval he actually chose cleveland himself he did well he didn't choose cleveland at first he only chose cleveland because they're Gave him two hundred thirty million dollars. Do you think guaranteed. has more to do with the money? The do you think has more same? to do with the money? Absolutely. Like, so you don't think it's the roster? You think it's one hundred percent? He already no, because he already turned down Cleveland. He said he wanted to go to Atlanta or New Orleans. Like those are the last two teams. When I came down to it, Cleveland's like, hey, we'll throw all this money at you if you come here. And I'm guessing that Atlanta and New Orleans were like, yeah, that's crazy. We're not gonna guarantee you all this money for a number of reasons and he's like okay fine i'm gonna go so it's 100 percent money wise and zero percent what has to do with their roster i mean yeah there's no there's more than that of course the roster is gonna play a part of it like he's gonna go there for other reasons but i think the money is ultimately what persuaded him to go to cleveland and why you know after turning them down he decided especially since especially since given watson's status uh as i'd imagine he he lost several if not all his marketing deals 
yeah, I, I can't imagine that there are too many people, at least right now, that want to align with him. So I, I understand the, the fully guaranteed, you know, wanting to get that kind of money, which it's it's kind of outrageous that a, a player, uh, you know, with those allegations against him is getting that That's kind of money. That's a good point. Right I, I keep forgetting that it's fully guaranteed, which never happens in fully the NFL. Guaranteed. Not only that, but then all no. of a sudden it's $230 million, all of it guaranteed. So, yeah, yeah. maybe a very high percentage of the reason why he's going there is because of money. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the way that I look at it. You know, as soon as I found out it was fully guaranteed, I was like, okay, I understand now why he wants to go to Cleveland because, because of the money at that point. And, uh, you know, I think in terms of like the situations in Atlanta and new Orleans, I think in the short term, they probably aren't as great. The saints, you know, we'll see. I still think that the saints can be a competent football team, partially because the NFC is, not looking very strong right now, but also just, you know, they've, they've had a long history of success and I know they're always crunched against the cap and it's like, Oh, it's panic time in new Orleans, but they still find a way to be competitive and still put out a really strong football team. Atlanta, they're in much worse shape. Um, but I think, you know, long-term it made sense why Watson would want to go there being from Georgia. He used to be a, and, a ball uh, boy there. That, okay. Once they, yeah, right. He used to be a Falcons fan growing up, supposedly. And, you know, once he has, uh, you know, once the team kind of gets rid of some of the older contracts and cap issues, they could kind of turn things around eventually there. But yeah, Cleveland, in terms of the short term, it seems like a great spot. We know the AFC is loaded. The AFC North is loaded. Like It's going to be tough competition. But that being said, when it comes down to it, I don't. I, I don't know if it's just me talking as a Steelers fan, but I really don't think that Deshaun Watson is going to be the the savior for the Browns franchise. You know, I think that he's going to keep them competitive, but I don't think that he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl. What's funny is that I think it's going to be a year two of you're not going to be high in Cleveland and and I will be as I will be high in Cleveland, not as like a division winner or like Super Bowl. I won't be that high again, but I, I think they're a playoff team now with Deshaun Watson in there. I was going to I was ready for them to. They should be. I was ready well, to pick them to I mean, finish it, last, but with with this move, uh, I, I uh-huh. like him as a playoff team now. It, it depends on how many games. But it is a under. tough. You know, if he plays, it is a, a f- tough division though. I think the AFC West is by far the best division, but I think the AFC North is probably by far the second best division. If, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, I mean the, the like. Those those are two divisions where you can look at all four teams in them and say all four teams have very reasonable shots of uh, coming out on top. If you know injuries are going to play a role, lots of stuff is going to go into it. But there's there's reasons to be optimistic about all of those teams. And I agree, Cleveland was looking really bad. They were looking like that factory of sadness, and now they bring in Watson, who should, by all accounts, be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, provided he's actually on the field for a significant amount of time. To and another thing to mention with Atlanta, Kyle Pitts tweeted before uh, before Deshaun Watson decided to go to Cleveland instead. I love that Kyle Pitts tweeted out. It's about to get really scary in Atlanta. I th- he actually was right. <laughs> he just it's just that yeah, not a was. good kind of scary. The bad kind of scary where no. they're they're gonna probably be a, a in the running for the number one overall pick next year, especially since they traded Matt Ryan. Yes, they struck out on Deshaun Watson. They were, I thought for sure he was going to go to Atlanta. It seemed like they were going to trade Matt Ryan and then trade for Watson. But instead, Watson goes to Cleveland. And now Matt Ryan is a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, who for what the seventh straight year are going to have a different week one starter. It's uh, they, they continue 
trying their best to solve the post Andrew Luck era. And I, I do think that Ryan is going to be an upgrade over Carson Wentz. I do as well. I think it's a question of how much of an upgrade is this? Is this the needle moving move? Like, is this something that puts them above not just Tennessee in the AFC South, but maybe some of the other strong teams in the AFC? I, I don't know. I mean, I think Ryan's coming off a solid year in Atlanta where he didn't have a whole lot to work with, but the Colts don't necessarily have that many better weapons. Like, yeah, they have Jonathan Taylor at running back, but I don't know. Well, Michael that, uh, Michael Pippen is a pretty good receiver, and they certainly could draft guys as well. Yeah, they'll they'll need to make some more moves from here. Yeah, but. so I I I like this move for for well, first of all, they traded Wentz to Washington, and mm-hmm. what they got back was pretty good. Or even yeah, they got pretty two good. third round picks, right? Yeah, and then and, and then, then they, they traded a third for Ryan. So. Well, another thing is that Washington, I think they pay all of Wentz's contract. True. Yes. Which is, yeah. Which so they is, got it all off the books. I know because, that was a big thing uh-huh. because Carson Wentz is making way too much money. And yeah, when you look at the interception touchdown totals for Carson Wentz, you're thinking, oh, he had a good year last year. But when you just watch him, it's like he's not. Doesn't pass the eye test. No, so. he doesn't pass the eye test whatsoever. I, I certainly was on the. I, I was holding out for once to still be good for too long. And it's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not a believer anymore in him. So, and not that Matt Ryan is the greatest or anything. He's certainly almost done with his playing career. Probably what a few years left in his NFL career, maybe even less, but I think it's an upgrade over, over Carson Wentz. And I, yes, it's a question of like how much of an upgrade, like you said, I don't think the Colts are all of a sudden going to be ahead of, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, you name it. But I think this move could potentially help them as a division winner just because I don't I obviously don't love the AFC South. And last year the Colts, they missed the playoffs and they lost they missed out on the playoffs because in week eighteen Carson Wentz was awful versus Jacksonville. And that could make the difference from being a playoff team and not being a playoff team is having a competent quarterback. Yeah, the, the Colts really struggled out of the gate. They had a lot of games that they lost that they should have won. And then, of course, that Week 18 game against Jacksonville was just horrible. Um, oh, awful. Wentz was a big, big part of that. So I do think Ryan's be more competent from that perspective. I definitely think that their chances of getting to the playoffs are much improved. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm still probably going to be high on the Tennessee Titans, um, but... Yeah, the the Colts are definitely a bigger threat at this point. And I think that Matt Ryan, you know, he's he's been dealt a rough hand the past few years. Uh, you know, ever since that Super Bowl collapse, the Falcons have gotten worse and worse around him. And he's stuck through a lot with that franchise. And I, I think it's it's great that they're doing right by him by putting him in seemingly a more stable situation in Indy. But it's uh I don't know. I guess like I'm not ready to fully buy into the Colts right now. I think yeah, like I'm not like oh I'm all in on the Colts Colts because uh, of this move, but I think it's an upgrade over Wentz, and I think it certainly improves their playoff chances or even division chances. Of what do you think about the Falcons assigned a role with Marcus Mariota now? Well, he used to be with is it Arthur Smith, their head coach? Yeah, Yeah, he used to be with them in Tennessee when he was their OC. Yeah, and so. That's a good reunion, and Mariota. He the few times he would come in, and when he was in Vegas, he looked pretty good as a dual threat guy. And yeah, he's obviously not great, but 
it's kind of like the Trubisky thing. Just take a shot and see if it works. And who knows, maybe he'll even draft a guy, whether it's um, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett Kenny or whatever. Pickett. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I would think that the Falcons are going to take one of those guys at number eight. Mariota is definitely a bridge quarterback. I wasn't excited about the idea of him being the quarterback of the Steelers. I liked Mitchell Trubisky's ceiling a little more. But Mariota, he had some success in Tennessee. Things didn't go very well there. He did shine, I guess, in like limited moments with the Raiders. With yeah, the Raiders. but it, it was like he'd come in for like a play or two. It wasn't like, like was... Taysom Hill. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting in that role, but I, I do imagine the Falcons are going to draft a quarterback at number eight, and that guy is going to have an opportunity to step in and start pretty early in his career. Um, but I also think that the Falcons could be in, in position, like he said, to get that number one pick or at least be be toward the bottom of the NFC, which I think is kind of good. Last year going into the season, I was like, well, I feel like the Falcons made moves to be like a 7-10 and 10 team, not totally bottom out, but not be a playoff contender. I think they they underachieved a little in that regard, but they, they're still sitting at the eighth overall pick. So they should be in shape to draft a quarterback, but that's also because this isn't a very strong quarterback class and those guys aren't going to be flying off the board with the, the top two or three picks. So they're not looking great on offense. Like I said earlier with Kyle Pitts after Kyle Pitts, I don't know if I like any of the, Exactly. They, 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 they don't have Ridley, yeah. of course, because of his suspension. And then yeah. Russell Gage is now on Tampa. Yeah, I think there's Omide Zacchaeus. Is that his name? He's like the number one receiver right now. Yeah, that that's that's not good whatsoever. Yeah, so yeah, it's not looking great for Atlanta. Not that it ever was ever since that Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. So the quarterback trades were certainly a big story of the past week, but arguably just as big. We saw Two of the league's best receivers get moved within a week. Devontae Adams going from the Packers to the Raiders. Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. Let's start with Adams just because that one happened earlier. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers announced he's coming back to Green Bay, but he's not going to have his number one weapon. Instead, Adams is teaming up with his old college quarterback at Fresno State, Derek Carr. And talk about the AFC West being probably the best division in the league. This is another reason for that. And uh, now the Packers are left with a, a lot of needs at the wide receiver position. Yeah, it's definitely great for the Raiders that they were able to get arguably the best receiver in football, and it certainly helps adding him to that offense that has Renfro and Waller, and both those guys are great, but Devontae is obviously the true number one guy. And another thing about this move is that even though Devontae Adams is great, you could make a case that the Raiders are still the fourth team fourth best team in the AFC and and a lot of in people, the AFC West excuse me that's what I meant to say AFC West who oh maybe even AFC given how good that division is but <laughs> but yeah that's what I meant though AFC West but at the same time thinking about this a lot of people are saying well how how big of an upgrade really is it for De- Devontae Adams to be in Vegas when they're still the fourth best team in the division the, they're I mean, when it comes to the Raiders, like, what do you want them to do? Just give up and say, oh, well, these other three teams are just right. way better than us. Like, uh, we might as well just tank. No, like, you, you make the move to get not only Devontae Adams, but also Chandler Jones as well, which uh, on the other side of the ball. And so, yeah, it's a, both of those are great moves, especially the Adams move. And, but yeah, it's definitely going to be tough, but it's definitely going to help, though. Last year. They made the playoffs. They I made know the that playoffs they last year with no coach 
yeah, losing their head no, coach and losing their number yeah. one receiver. And yeah, a lot of bad things happened. With all the, the crap that happened to the Raiders last year, I can't count them out whatsoever. No, I think it'd be foolish to. I know the Chargers got better on defense. The Broncos got better on offense with Russell Wilson. But the this division is still like relatively wide open. The, the Raiders, they're running it back, but like they're also changing things a little. They have a new GM and a new head coach coming in. You know, we'll see how Josh McDaniels does in round two as a head coach. But I think there's reasons to be optimistic with the Raiders. And like I said earlier, talking about, um, you know, the AFC North, the injuries always happen. A lot of things can change very quickly in the NFL. So there, there's plenty of reason for the Raiders and their fans to still be optimistic about their own team. Yeah, even if their direct rivals are also seemingly getting better this offseason. It's going to be really difficult. But like you said, there could be some injury luck and just the fact that through all the chaos that happened last year for them to make the playoffs is certainly a credit to them. And so adding those pieces uh, to a playoff team from last year, that would make me feel opt- cautiously optimistic as you like to say. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So the Packers have two first round picks. Now they have to take at least one wide receiver in the first round, right? Like they finally have to do it. Well, when Alan Lazard is your number one receiver, then yeah, you probably have to take a receiver and help out Aaron. And yeah, <laughs> I'd imagine that they would do that, but we've seen in past drafts that that has not been the case. And they've taken a, a backup quarterback, backup quarterback yeah. who is, is no longer any sort of value to Green Bay. And so that pick is a total waste now. I remember at the time I didn't like the pick, but at the same time, I remember thinking, Okay, well, if they identify him as the next guy, then who might say that it's a bad pick? But now, after signing Rodgers this long deal, now it looks like a yeah. horrible pick. I know. There's no way that they would get any kind of significant value back for him either, just based on his limited. Yeah, and then his last, last and one and only start was against Kansas City, and he looked horrible in that game. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're not, you're certainly not going to get a first round pick, or maybe even, I'd imagine somewhere in the mid, mid rounds. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they, they yeah. might they might also just keep him. I don't know if they're they're trying to move him at this point. But yeah, the, the Packers need to address the receiving room. I'm surprised they haven't signed a free agent yet. Like there are guys out there. Julio Jones kind of makes sense that the Packers would want to take a flyer he, on he him. Makes sense, but Jarvis God, he's, Landry he's maybe. So, he's so old now that I know injuries he, definitely derailed him this season, and he didn't produce when he was on the field anyway. No, he, but he he looks almost if not done now and so i kind of understand why any any team would pick him up but yeah jarvis landry would make sense i'm surprised he yeah. hasn't signed anywhere yet i've seen a lot of mock drafts that have the packers using both of their first round picks on receivers you know and, and just kind of seeing what people are thinking these days Jahan dotson of penn state is a popular one a lot of people thinking oh maybe they'll take jameson williams from alabama feel like yeah they they can take a risk on him knowing he's not going to play the first few months of the season in all likelihood. You but also get Bob Tanyan back at tight end. True. Well, wasn't he a free agent? Did they resign? Him? Oh, I, that I, I didn't actually know. Yeah, I, I remember hearing him being out there. Uh, it does show him on their roster on ESPN.com. So maybe he is still there. The but... thing with this, with Aaron Rodgers coming back to green Bay, but then Devante going to Las Vegas, did Aaron, know or not know that Devontae was either Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport said that he fully was aware that 
Adams was not going to be on the Packers this year, but he still decided to return to the that team. That kind of that doesn't make that doesn't compute no, in my mind. Like why right? that, why he would come back if he doesn't uh-huh. have his guy back, the guy he relentlessly throws to, especially in the playoffs, like we saw in that last right. game. I and know. In the past games. And, You're just going to have to throw it to Aaron Jones every time instead. Yeah, Aaron Jones will be the number one receiver, <laughs> the running back. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely questioning that move from from Green. Well, I guess I can't even question it from Green Bay's perspective because if it, not being able to lock up Adams long-term, they couldn't reach a deal with him. Um, it's more question it from Rodgers and... I don't know what his market would have been like. You know, we saw the the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson right away. I don't know if that necessarily does that means mean that, that maybe Denver wanted Wilson instead of Rodgers? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Even though the so, news I mean, was reported been first about on Rodgers, maybe they actually wanted Wilson the whole time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I don't know if the Steelers were all that legitimate. The Titans were another team that was being thrown out there. So it's possible that Rodgers didn't feel like he had that many other options, or just that. Green Bay was willing to pay him $50 million. He's like, all right, who cares? I'll take all this money, and whatever happens on the field happens. So, um, One good thing about this from a Packers perspective is that he's not going to just endlessly throw to one guy now. He's actually going to spread it around, theory, whoever, yeah. whoever yeah. they have on their roster uh, receiver. Uh-huh. But at the same time, what I don't like about this move is that when the Packers do win the division and then choke it away in the playoffs again, people will give the excuse, oh, well, Rodgers has no weapons. He had no weapons, yeah, right. So you do think the Packers will still win the NFC North? Yeah, I still think they'll win the NFC North. I think I think that or NFC North. Sorry, I still I think that division is getting worse. And it's, it's definitely and a Bay's, tough spot. And Green yeah. Bay having Rodgers, that's still a guarantee. I feel like it's a mm-hmm. guaranteed division win at least. Maybe not number one seed like they've been the last two years, and maybe Rodgers won't win a third straight MVP. But I still yeah. think they're good enough to win into the division. And the I NFC, think Minnesota can be a threat. The NFC. Really, I don't want to say st- it kind of does stink if you think it's about bad. it, which is how good the AFC uh-huh. is. Looking at the NFC, it's okay. You got Green Bay and then you got Tampa with Brady back. And then LA, yep. of course, is still going to be in the mix. And then Dallas, the da- Dallas, yeah, Dallas, yeah. Dal- Dallas, even though they'll choke it away too, they'll, <laughs> I still think they'll, they're they're going to have to win the division. And then, yeah, San Fran would be the top wild card team, as- assuming LA. It depends on what Trey Lance does. That too, yeah. That's a good point. If, and then who knows what happens with Garoppolo because he's. I know, a right? Oh, like he's yeah. running out of options. Him and Baker. It's like, is one of them going to Seattle, and where's the other one going to go? Did you see the news for Baker that him and Carolina had mutual disinterest? Have you ever heard the term <laughs> no, mutual I've never disinterest? I love that. <laughs> you always hear that's the term mutual interest, but interest, oh, there's yeah. mutual disinterest between the two. I can't that's, believe that was reported. That's funny. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're both messes. We don't need to come together. So I was actually wondering if uh, Carolina would be an option because like them and Atlanta are both in a similar situation where it feels like they have to use a top 10 pick on a quarterback. But I don't know that either Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis are ready to be that guy right away. So they make sense as you know bridge options. Atlanta, Marcus Mariota, Carolina. You know, is it just Sam Darnold for a few games until whoever they draft is ready to start? Yeah, I can't. Wow. I can't believe Carolina would not be interested in. I know. I know Baker b- kind of sucks, but him or Try Sam Darnold. I mean, twenty eighteen draft pick. You know, him or yeah, and that's back. another thing. They they were the first and third overall pick in the same draft. Now they're gonna. Yeah. If if he, if if Baker went to Carolina, they'd be on the same team. But like, yeah, as much as Baker stinks, I'd take him over Sam Darnold. Like, come on, <laughs> like that 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 kind of that kind of surprised me that they wouldn't 
He had a lot more success in Cleveland, but he also had a way stronger team than the Jets had. That's a good Um, point. I don't know that it would be as, like the highs would be as high. I don't know. I just thought Carolina, they saw what Sam Darnold was. and He was great the first few games, but they also played some bad teams in those first Mm -hmm. few games. And then then all of a sudden he tailed off. And I don't know, Indianapolis, they took the approach of, all right, well, we traded these picks for Wentz, but after one year, yeah, we're out. Let's go get another guy. Why can't Carolina take the same approach and get either Baker or Jimmy? I don't know. I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes more sense for them. Yeah. And then they they wouldn't trade him to Seattle because right. I, I wouldn't think so, right? Like, I would be surprised. But at the same time, um, they should just take the best deal and they shouldn't uh, be afraid of Jimmy. Uh, they're, they're afraid of him on his would, team. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. You would think, right, in team. some ways, you could say, oh, that's actually a good thing if he goes to a division yeah. rival. But. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it would be kind of strange. Plan. It would be strange to see the Niners and Seahawks make a trade. Um, but well, those are the two. You know, those are the two teams, along with Atlanta, that need a quarterback. Yeah, I know. There's not not too many teams out there. Houston, maybe. True. Yeah. I mean, it, like there there are it, situations where teams could decide to roll with young guys justifiably. Um, but I guess we can talk about a team that was potentially in the market for a quarterback, and uh, that quarterback has a new weapon, and that's the uh, you know Tua Tagovailoa getting Tyree Kill of the Dolphins, and uh, there were a lot of reports that the Chiefs were going to be signing Hill to a huge contract extension. I guess they weren't able to get something done, so they decided to trade him to Miami, who in turn gave him a four-year, hundred twenty million dollar deal. And in my immediate reaction. We're gonna find out if it's if two is the. Real oh yeah, deal this, at this is point. that was my immediate reaction too. Is that this is basically make it make or break year for Tua because he's hasn't been he he, he doesn't suck, but he's definitely a average to below average quarterback at this. He point. hasn't and, been the kind of guy that teams supposedly would tank for. You know that yeah. the the Dolphins thought they were getting at fifth overall. Yeah, the tank the tank for Tua term was thrown out there a lot in his last year at Alabama and now it's at a point where everyone thinks he sucks and everyone's putting out memes for the guy. You've seen the one where like there's like three dragons and there's like two of them are like beasts and then one of them yeah. is the stupid one. Like they put two uh-huh. up for that one and then Tyreek and Jalen Waddle is the, the mean ones. And it's like, yeah, there, there are a lot of memes out there that where two of us stinks. And this is definitely with, with Tyreek there and Jalen Waddle, of course, Chase Edmonds as yes, their running back. Chase Edmonds Mike and Siki is a good tight end. Yep, and then now back. they have a new coach. Like this is an exact- offensive line. They already and signed Connor also- Williams, and now Teron said, arguably the top free agent uh, this year. He's coming in, making a lot of money to be the team's left tackle. So yeah, so yeah, the Dolphins have definitely be- surrounded him with talent. Yes, they should, they should be, be good, be. but it, it doesn't matter if the quarterback doesn't perform. And so we'll see with how Tua does with good weapons around him and and new coaching. Yep, yep. And, of course, the defense is still really solid in Miami. So the Dolphins, they could be a another team that's a legitimate threat in an already loaded AFC. You know, the Bills are really strong in that AFC East. But if, yeah, I, if Tua puts it all together, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins are legitimate challengers to them. Yeah, I still would take Buffalo in that division, but I would take Miami over New England now because New England Please. is... Just they brought back Malcolm. Butler. Yeah, they brought. Back, I love Malcolm <laughs> Butler, but I also know he's completely washed at this point too. And 
God, the Patriots are going to suck something awful <laughs> this year. Yeah. They're going to be so bad. Uh, I, I know it's an overreaction, but maybe it's not with just how every AFC team is doing something except them as well. So Yeah, I know. You're still kind of waiting for like a big move to be made by the Patriots, and it just it hasn't happened to this point. Yeah, so. And, so, and then with this move getting Tyree Kill... I I would take Miami over New England with how their offense looks. Now, with that being said, even though I think this helps Miami in the short term, I I think Kansas City in the long term is going to win that deal because even though Tyree Kill, he's definitely fun to watch. He's not a, off the field. I'm not a fan, but on the <laughs> field, he's definitely fun as hell to watch. Yeah, like, I think he's going to look so cool in that uh, Dolphins teal, just sprinting past defenders. I think he's going to look great. Yeah. So even though I. I think it's great, good for them short term. At the same time, he's 28, and like, how long is it gonna last with him at his speed and in his prime? I'd imagine at some point that it will be kind of a regrettable move for Miami, especially with how much they how much they got traded to get him and how much they had to pay to to have him on their roster. I think that's a lot to give I up. I think the contract is a little worse than the trade. I mean, they're given a first and second this year. They still have other picks to work with, but yes, long-term, I think the contract could be one that maybe doesn't age the best if he loses some of that speed. But I don't know. I still like this deal for the Dolphins. I, th- I think the no, Tyree Kill is a game changer, and I, I get it. There's reasons to be concerned there, long-term. There are reasons be, yeah, I, I, I'm, more, I'm definitely concerned about it, but at the same time, we saw what the Rams did last year, picking up all these guys and and winning a Super Bowl. It shows you what it's teams a new will way to do. Build teams right now. It shows you what teams will yeah. do now to have a chance or be in the mix mm-hmm. to to contend. And like they'll give up all these picks and pay all this money to get to get the big pieces. For sure, and I think it's reasonable to question how good the Chiefs are going to be at this point because Tyree Kill is a big weapon and. They don't have like a ton of guys ready to replace him. They, they, Travis Kelsey is their top receiver. Yeah, Travis Kelsey. Besides Juju Smith-Schuster. I was really excited to see Juju play with Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, but now Hill's gone. You know, is he ready to be a wide receiver one? It didn't look like he was in Pittsburgh. That is a good point and, because I think Juju, yeah, he's not a number one receiver, but adding Moon offense that has where he's like, the, he's the third guy where he's in the Hardman role instead of Hardman himself, where right? uh-huh. we've seen enough of McCall Hardman to know that he's not a reliable option, but putting Juju in that role, it's like, all right, well, that that's a really good third option. But yeah, like you said, now without Tyreek, yeah, like that might not be great, but at least Mahomes is, he's one of those quarterbacks that he can work with anybody. And I'd imagine the Chiefs will draft a guy as well. Oh, I think so. I mean, they, they have two first round picks now, so... In theory, they're going to take a wide receiver with one of those two picks. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I think like, it, it is a little concerning, but I. Yeah, I mean, especially like just with how they performed last year on offense as a whole. And I think Mahomes is he still had success without Tyreek Hill in the lineup in you know, limited times when Hill's missed games with injury. But, but there were plenty of times last year where the Chiefs offense w- did not look good whatsoever. And it just blew everyone's mind, like why they were for their standards, not performing mm-hmm. to expectations and for several multiple games in a row, not just, Oh one yeah. Game, but I know they looked really, really bad last year. Uh, a lot of times. And I know they ended up pulling it out in the end, but, uh, but then they I, ended I up losing in the AFC championship game. They 
yeah choking it away you know, their offense went the silent in the second half yeah, yeah. right so now I, I think that there's some reasons to think well okay kansas city is maybe going to take a step back another reason for teams like the raiders Chargers, and broncos to be excited about their chances in a loaded afc west is that maybe kansas city isn't a lock to win the division like they have been the past few years yeah especially with how denver la well all three of them uh, how all, mm-hmm. all three of them have upgraded uh, their roster yeah 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 and it's it's fair to say that kansas city has downgraded now that they no longer have hill so i think that'll do it for nfl talk you know i'm sure there'll be some other major trade or something worth talking about between now and the draft but for now let's focus on march madness and the ncaa tournament first two rounds are in the books and as much as we can say the NFL might be the real March Madness, this is definitely madness this first weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of upsets, a lot of shockers, you know, teams that barely won games that you would have thought would win in blowouts. And let's um, take a similar approach we did last week when we were previewing the bracket and just go region by region, talk about the action. Let's start in the West. And number one, Gonzaga is still alive, but they got two scares uh, from both 16-seeded Georgia State and nine-seeded Memphis, uh, barely able to survive that second one. Uh, Are you feeling nervous at all about Gonzaga after those first two games? Well, not really nervous since I don't even have my final four. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I know what you mean, though, that, yeah, Georgia State, they... We're losing by what a point at halftime, and then they yeah, just I mean it was close. Second. Yeah, but a lot but, of that was because Georgia State's best player or best big man got hurt, and then their second best big man fouled out because they just had to keep playing him despite being in foul trouble. Right, and you know we know that Gonzaga has the bigs to bully anybody. So. But the, yeah, the Memphis game that one definitely caught my attention because Memphis was up by double digits in the mm-hmm. second half, and then all of a sudden Drew Timmy took over and helped Gonzaga win that game. And yeah, I, this is gonna this is gonna sound too hot takeish, but the the way Drew Timmy's looked, if you're seeing him and Holmgren, maybe I would like Timmy more on my team than Holmgren. That's that's way too hot of a take, but I don't know. I, I'm I like how Drew Timmy has played, but because if it weren't for him, they wouldn't have won that game. And oh Holmgren, no, he stepped up big time. And then Holmgren, yeah. I just find really overrated and. There's no way he could succeed in the NBA if he has that body. You know that cliche, oh, you got to have an NBA body? He does not have an NBA body. Is he, <laughs> I, I would love to take some time to talk about Chet Holmgren because he he's such a mystery to me of how he looks like that and how he's this good and how he's like supposed to be like this guy because like he succeeds on the basketball court, but he's a sick figure. He's like, oh, yeah, man. he's got like branches for, for, for it's like for he took legs. a middle schooler, just stretched him out, made him seven feet tall. And I mean, that's what he looks like. But it's like I look at him and I'm like, he's a seven foot tall shooting guard, but he's actual like a real center. He's a great rim protector. He's fourth in the nation in blocks. Four blocks in that game. So even though he didn't really do that's much against 250 pound Jalen Duran, who's like a major NBA prospect in his own right. So looks like a boxer. Yeah, but I, I know, but I'm looking at Chet Holmgren. I'm just like, like he has to put on muscle, right? There's no way he could succeed in the NBA at that weight. I don't like, think there's no could. way. And uh, yeah, but it just blows I'm my like, mind that he's he's projected as the number one, two or three pick, and I you just see him. He, he, yeah, like there's dominant parts of his game, but it's like 
Look at his body. It's just, it looks awkward. Is he a Planet Fitness membership away from being like the greatest basketball player of all time, <laughs> given he's able to play that way <laughs> at that size? <laughs> yeah, would putting on muscle take away his superpower somehow? I, I don't know. I don't get it. It's it's a mystery to me how Chet Holmgren is, is the player he is. Uh, but I, I do agree with you. Drew Timmy stepped up big time. Did you see his post-game speech? Oh, yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, he's no. talking about his locker room speech. Just like, I can't yeah. swear right now. <laughs> and then he even tweeted about how his mom would kick his yeah, butt. But he put, he put the ad so. sign and then two money signs for, for ass. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. I know he yeah did a great job censoring himself, which I'm surprised because a lot of guys are not good at doing that. He's uh he's definitely ready to handle you know those press conferences and TV interviews. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I think Gonzaga is a tough one because like I was also kind of down on them. I didn't have them going to the Final Four. I'm not ready to outright dismiss them because one thing you say about Memphis, as much as they're a nine seed, they're arguably a top fifteen talent. They have yeah, a lot they, of NBA yeah, Jaylen, prospects on their Dur- team. Duran is a lottery pick. Yeah. And, and, and they, I think he proved it in, in that game, oh, too. And, even though sure. he's in foul trouble, though, which uh-huh. which, which cost them. But I, I, you could tell that I think Memphis was underseeded. I Well, I think a lot of it just they didn't live up to expectations this year. Like well, they, that's they, true. Through no fault of their own. It's not like the committee screwed them over. Like, they were... A, threat to miss the tournament entirely for a while i, I think that they they've just had so that's much what i heard as well I, Hardaway. I wasn't paying attention yeah. to memphis basketball all year but i heard that there was a stretch where they looked really bad but then all of a sudden they started figuring figuring out by this time is that correct yeah well and they were dominating boise state in the first round but then they they kind of fell apart and the broncos made it a game memphis was just up too much for them to come back uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like super concerning as much as like the Georgia State yeah, would have been concerning. I, I think for but... Gonzaga, I think it's a little concerning how they've played. But at the same time, I think they should s- still be favorites. They're certainly slow starters in these games because mm-hmm. they've been losing to these two teams that they've played in the first half. But I, I think they're just slow starters. And I, I still think even though I didn't, we didn't pick them, they probably should still be the favorite out of that bracket. Or out of that yeah, they're, uh, they're going to play Arkansas, who yeah, the Razorbacks, another team that was like very strong most of the season. They went to the Elite Eight last year. They have a lot of NBA caliber players, but they also struggled against uh, 13 seeded Vermont and 12 seeded New Mexico State in those first two games. So I don't know if that's necessarily like a leg up advantage to Arkansas when they they had the same exact problems. So yeah, I, I don't. I I imagine Gonzaga will handle them handle them pretty easily. Yeah, I think just like one interesting thing. So like Vermont and New Mexico State are like two teams that so many people always convince themselves like, oh, this is like the 12, 13, 14 seed you got to pick I as an upset. <laughs> yeah, but they, they make the tournament every year, but they never win. Like mm-hmm. This is literally the first time New Mexico State has won in like 13 chances when they beat UConn. Yeah, um, I, I, didn't, so. I did not have... New Mexico State in that game. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have. Like, I, I thought about that. I'm fully mad. I bought into UConn, but just knowing UConn and their success. of Just thinking what, that, you know, like, I don't know who their Kemba Walker or Shabazz yeah, Napier Yeah, they don't is, have their have Kemba somebody. Walker or Shabazz Napier, but it's like, I, I know this. They've had success in the past, and so I'm just going to pick them, and especially since I don't know anything about New Mexico State, really. And, yeah, the Aggies. Yeah, this guy, Teddy Walker, who is really or no, Teddy Allen, who is really good. Um, but I, I don't know much about him other than seeing him in that game. But one thing I, I forgot about was 
they only lost to Auburn by one point back in 2019. And that Auburn team ended up going to the final four. I, that I was, was watching 2019. Like, yeah. It was 2019. Yeah. I was watching highlights. Auburn was up by like nine points with less than a minute to go. And they just collapsed down the stretch, missed field goals, turnover, missed free throws, turnovers, Mexico State actually had a chance to win it at the end, but uh, they went one for three from the free throw line down two. UConn, and, uh, when they won with Shabazz Napier, they had something similar where they were a seven seed and they went into mm-hmm. overtime in the first game that they played. But then all of a sudden, oh actually, really? Yeah, they actually. No, went I don't. Into, I don't I know who that. they played, but St. Joe's because I remember Saint I picked St. Joe's. St. Yeah, Joe's, and then they went. On I was going to say St. John's, but like it wasn't St. John's, but, like, no, but, but yeah, St. Joe's. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Bottom half of the bracket, we got Duke, Texas Tech. Both those teams got into a little bit of a slugfest in the second round. Uh, were you as upset as I was at Michigan State lost? I would. Um, I, I know that, you're like that game. Some of the Spartans fan. That, yeah, I still like the Spartans. So that game, Duke Michigan State. Well, first of all, that game went exactly how I thought it would. Just back and forth, back and forth until the very last minute. Yeah, and Duke pulls it, and out. then Duke pulls it off. That game, I had, yeah, there were good and bad things about that game where it's like, all right, well, if Duke wins, then my my final four pick is still alive. But if they lose, that'll be funny. And obviously, I like the Spartans. So, yeah, I'll admit, like, I don't care about as much about my bracket as, like, fandom and also just Duke losing. Like, that'd be funny, even if it ruins my bracket. Yeah, right. Like, I yeah, know. so, so I'll admit, I, was, I was disappointed. But at the same time, it's like, I can look at it ha- glass half full where it's like, all right, well, if Duke wins, it's like, all right, well, I'm still alive and bracket pools and whatever. Yeah. 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 I, I don't really like Texas Tech's chances against them after watching that Notre Dame game. Like, I don't think that Texas, Texas Tech, Tech is can... favored. Yeah. Which I don't understand. Like, I get Texas Tech is great defense, but they went seven minutes at the end of that game without a field goal. I don't think you can beat Duke doing that. They have to be able to score the basketball in ways other than just free throws. And I think at Texas Tech, like I talked about it last week, if they get into foul trouble because of their defense, then you know Duke could end up running away with this one. So I don't know. I'm I'm nervous after that that one. I have Texas Tech in the Final Four, but I'm I'm not feeling very confident just after that one game. Maybe it's a credit to Notre Dame the way they play because they had to play Maybe, a play yeah. in tournament and then they had uh-huh. to play. They uh, beat Alabama. Alabama, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, they beat Alabama, and then they play another game two days later, and they're in it in that game. So maybe it's a credit to Notre Dame as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I guess it's easy to overlook Notre Dame. You know, I know they were like the two seed in the AC tournament, but I never really believed in them. They beat Kentucky in like December, and that was their that was their whole tournament resume. Um, one thing I didn't realize though is that Texas Tech had. Um, that O'Banner guy who played for Oral Roberts last year and helped lead them on their Sweet 16 run. So I, Kevin O'Banner, um, I didn't know that he transferred to Texas Tech. He's a, he's a really good player. So I think that he could be maybe the X factor, you know, having that that tournament experience there. And because I mean, Texas Tech is loaded with a bunch of transfers, and they still find a way to win. Their head coach left him for their biggest rival. So definitely a good story. It'd be cool to see them knock out Duke. But my. Uh, my hopes are not super high. Do you think there's a Coach K factor where it's like, oh, okay, this is his last year. We can't have him lose. Like, do you think the like the NCAA is rigged? Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think there's a? a I ri- hope <laughs> maybe not. That's, maybe I that's, mean, that's probably taking too far. But do you think like that's in the back of their minds? Like, hey, we can't have Coach K. Whose minds? Uh, like NCAA Texas Tech is going to throw the game. Yeah. Just anybody. Yeah. Like people thinking like, all right, well, Duke's probably going to win because they want Coach K to last as long as. Like they don't want him to lose here. They, 
I don't know. I'm probably just talking yeah. out of my ass, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's possible. But yeah, I, I would hope that there's no conspiracy to have him go out on top. <laughs> so let's jump ahead to the East region and talk about Duke's biggest rivals, North Carolina Tar Heels. Congratulations. You picked them to make the Sweet 16. Yeah, my bracket <laughs> was not too. looking great at one point, but then all of a sudden that game, I was like, all right, I. It doesn't look like a total train wreck now. No, no, that's a huge upset. I'm still shocked that they ended up pulling out the win after blowing a 25-point lead. The way that game game unfolded with them blowing a 25-point lead and and Baylor uh, tying it and then going overtime, I thought for sure that once it went overtime, I was like, well, all the momentum's on Baylor's side. This is over. But yeah, it's good for North Carolina, especially after losing, is it Manic? Yeah, Brady Manick. Brady Manick. Did you yeah. think he should have been ejected? No, flagrant no. two. Like, like, flagrant one, ridiculous. but flagrant two. Is uh-huh. No, that's fair. Yeah, he elbowed him, but like that didn't seem intentional. Flagrant like he was trying ridiculous. to knock him out. I, yeah, and yeah, that's and when that, it, that totally changed it. That's thirty-eight what, to thirteen run after that. Yeah, that. Yeah, North Carolina uh, was definitely. Now, the the refs. I, I swear, like that was one of the worst ref ten minutes of basketball I've ever seen. I don't have a true... even Duke fans are saying that. So. So you obviously care about North Carolina and uh-huh. that game more than I did. Like, yes, I had North Carolina in my bracket, but like, I don't care as much as you about that game. But even I'm watching that game. Like, this is ridiculous how 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 yeah. one sided it was in the end of that game. I know you I, texted me. The refs are trying so hard to make this a game. Yeah. And, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I talked about this on my uh, recent appearance on Affable Chat, but I was at a St. Patrick's Day festival and I was only able to follow the game on Gamecast. We were outside. I wanted to go to a bar to watch the game. No one else really wanted to go with me. So I was just like keeping up on my phone and I was just like, okay, it's a blowout. Like, I'm not going to rush anyone into a bar to watch this. Yeah, and I, I was convinced that yeah, North I just Carolina made the yeah win. the safe assumption that yeah you were watching it. And just... <laughs> no, I, I was following on. Multiple people were texting me about it, and then uh, yeah, someone the, was like, the combination. Someone had said that they they like were so they placed a, a future on North Carolina to win the whole thing. They're like, my bet's looking great, and then everything went downhill. I was like, this is your fault, you jinx it. Why would you say that? <laughs> but yeah, just the combination of. Manic getting Brady Manic getting ejected, and then there was another guy who fouled out of the game for North Carolina. Caleb Love did he foul so. out? It was some. Yeah, there was another guy who said right? they lost. Yeah, I, I think yeah. That, I think that's who it was. And then the combination of that, the refs being totally one sided with Baylor at the end of the game, and then also just Baylor's press defense along with North Carolina's mm-hmm. horrible inbounds passes. The combination <laughs> yeah. of all those things. You know, happened with uh, North Carolina was just uh-huh. dreadful. <laughs> yeah, I did game. get to watch overtime. I did. I did watch the collapse, just like the highlights of the game. You know, North Carolina jumping out to the huge lead and then falling apart. And I was just like, even though I knew what happened, I was still shaking my head. Like I would have been miserable watching this actually unfold, which is all these turnovers, Baylor hitting all these threes. It, it was just, it was crazy. Um, definitely glad the Tar Heels won. In terms of where they go from here, I don't know. I I was high on UCLA coming in, and you know they they also struggled in the first round against Akron. All the four seeds struggled against thirteens, but they ended up pulling out the a big win over St. Mary's in round two. So um, I think it's fair that UCLA would be favorite, but it is they're, a fun they're, blue they're blood matchup. They're favored by a couple points. 
Yeah, no, and I think this one can go a few different ways. I, I think UCLA has some injury concerns. They, <laughs> I love it. They got JJ and JJ Jr. with uh, Johnny Juzang and Jaime Hawkins Jr. But yeah, they they were a team that I was I was high on coming into the tournament just because of their run last year, while fully acknowledging that they could easily you know let me down just because you know the lightning maybe doesn't strike twice, but. This should be a good one. Uh, definitely excited for that. Good, good blue blood matchup for the Sweet 16. And I thought we would have another blue blood on the other side of the bracket. But of course, the, the biggest upset of the tournament, St. Pe- Peter's Peacocks knocking off two seated Kentucky, my national champion runner up. And uh, I'm tired of these 15 seeds knocking off the two seeds that I have advancing deep in my bracket. It's never the two seed that I picked to lose in the second round. And I can never enjoy these upsets. So the point where I'm like, I'm genuinely thinking I'm tired of 15 seeds winning. It happens way too often, even though it still doesn't happen way too often. It's just, it's kind of tough seeing it back to back years when I have a final four team go out. Yeah. I'll fully admit that this is just out of luck, but every time that's happened, I haven't had that two seed go very far with a fits. Well, except Michigan state. Oh yeah, except Michigan you State. Had the whole yes, thing. I except Michigan State. <laughs> I take that back. Yeah, I I wasn't really even watching the tournament that year because I couldn't even watch it um, where I was. Yeah. So, but out, so outside of that year, <laughs> that I I've been on the right side of it where Georgetown or Ohio State or or Kentucky where I've had them all losing in like the next round. Yeah, or I, I thought your Murray State pick to the Sweet Sixteen is looking great, and then St. Peter's pulls out another one. See, during the Murray State St. Peter's game. I was rooting for the Peacocks. Uh, I, I don't care. I don't care about my bracket that yeah, much. Like, I, will, I, will, I love... Un, it's, what's great about the turns, I love when unpredictable uh, underdogs just go, come out of nowhere and, and make a run like St. Peter's has. And yeah, so, and St. Peter's is an incredible underdog. It's not just that they're a 15 seed, but their basketball program has like no money in it. They're one of the cheerleaders couldn't even programs. make it to the tournament. Then all of a sudden, after their Kentucky win, the company, the streaming service, Peacock, ended up uh, helping. Oh, did they? Yeah. I, you I didn't, didn't hear about I didn't that. Yeah. That. No. The Peacock, the streaming service, helped uh, fund yeah. the you know the basketball team to help yep. the cheerleaders get to where they need to be so that was great on peacock peacock's part peacock's yeah. helping out peacocks which that's is awesome yeah and they their guy dougie buckets doug eddard he's become like one of the the big stories yeah he signed a deal with buffalo wild wings yeah i know that's that's like one of the beauties of nil like he's never gonna go pro so like he's able to rack it up this money for being just like a a hero of the tournament and i think it'll be cool to see a lot of those stories like march madness is a perfect time some of those guys who are stars of those like underdog teams making money as college players for what they do and uh (laughs) they uh they definitely lost a lot of people money who had kentucky going really deep in the tournament but so. yeah, I, I, when it comes to that bracket with Murray State, like I didn't care. Like I was, mm. I was like a Seahawks fan with Peacocks, Peacocks. <laughs> yeah, I was Peacocks. all Yeah, instead, well, instead of instead of Seahawks, I know we Peacocks. do the same chant. Oh, like with, oh, with Gamecocks, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, especially when you get the cock side of it. Uh, but yeah, you had Purdue over UCLA in the uh, the yeah, and that eight, and, and that matchup, right that now. matchup is looking good. I don't know about yep. Purdue winning to get out of the final to make it to the final four, but I'm feeling confident about the matchup happening. Yeah, and there's a non-zero chance we get a Duke UNC national semifinal. I did I notice that looking at the bracket. Like, yeah, oh wait, I don't whoa, know Duke, that UNC, I want that. Can that happen? 
I know. I'd much rather the Tar Heels play somebody else. I don't necessarily want to deal with it and hope that, uh, you know, we get a, a repeat of what happened at Cameron Indoor, especially knowing that it was a huge blowout when they met the first time in Chapel Hill. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think that's a region where I think it's easy to dismiss St. Peter's thinking that, okay, they can't keep it going into the second week. I liked them versus Murray right. State. I thought, even though they were huge underdogs, I, I thought uh-huh. they had just the way they played versus Kentucky. I was like, I, yeah, I would take I know. it. I think 15 seeds, like in recent years, like the, most of them just end up losing in that second round. But, you know, we saw no, Oral Roberts Florida last Gulf year. Coast, Florida Gulf Coast, Oral Roberts, St. Peter's, they yep. all made it to the Sweet 16. And I know. And then Oral Roberts, now. they almost made it to the Elite Eight. They were, I know, they, they, they almost upset basket, Arkansas. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I was pretty down on Purdue. I was down on the Big Ten as a whole. Nine teams, only two are still alive after the first weekend. Yeah. So let's keep going. Let's go up to the South region. Another another top seed struggling. Arizona could have very easily lost to TCU. Just a chaotic ending. Oh my that god, one, that was at least that regulation. Was, that was insane. Yeah. So unlike the Gonzaga Memphis game where Gonzaga started to make a run, it's like, all right, well, Gonzaga's gonna win now. I thought Arizona was legitimately gonna lose because TCU yeah. outplayed them in that game. Oh, for sure. Uh-huh. And then it took a miracle three to for them to tie the game and then eventually win that game. Yeah, and then the uh, like at, at the last play there, Arizona gets like the trap on TCU. They end up forcing a turnover. Some people are questioning whether it's a foul. Maybe it was backcourt. Nothing gets called. And then Arizona, like he's driving down the court yeah, and he, he goes for the I'm, dunk as time expires. I remember when like, that happened. I, I didn't even need to see replay. I knew that he didn't make it because he no. went for the dunk instead uh, of uh, there's not enough shot. time left yeah, yeah which is just crazy to think that if arizona had lost that game knowing all he had to do was do like an easy layup he'd never be able to live that down so yeah because if he did a arizona layup there's down. enough what half I mean, a second like half a second yeah. behind so yeah he could have gotten the ball off his his fingers so um yeah almost a really really horrible way to lose your national champion uh, See, at the early. same time, again, looking at the glass half full, if they lose, well, that's great. We got to see a huge upset, but yeah, if, but also, you know, I, Arizona has hurt me way too many times for me to be like, ah, oh, that's a great upset that's for a, riding that, them again. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, yeah, it'd probably be worse. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to play Houston in the Sweet 16, who, you know, officiating has definitely been a story. It's always is with college basketball. Houston was uh, the beneficiary of a technical foul in the uh, Illinois game. Oh, that was so. ridiculous. Hanging on the rim. Reggie Miller pointed out, and he was absolutely right, where if he doesn't hang on the rim, the momentum carries He's him He's going to get hurt. Yeah. He's going to get hurt. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it actually was smart to hold onto the rim there and, uh-huh. then, and then let go. Completely ridiculous call. Uh, luckily... Houston won by double digits, I think it was. Yeah, but it was, it was a four-point oh, game. In the game, in the moment, uh, in it that was game. similar to the Brady Manic flagrant too, where it's just all the momentum is gone, and like the other team is able to make a huge comeback. And that Houston ended the game on a twenty-two to eleven run after that. So I just think I don't with know. The deficit, it's it wasn't as bad as the. Well, the- no, I I just think that if that doesn't get called, then the the you know the way it plays out could have been totally different. Oh, okay. 
That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, yes, like I think I think Houston just looks so much better than Illinois, so that's why I kind of disagree. No, they did. I I agree with that, but um, no, I I I don't know. I think it's fair to kind of say, well, who knows what could have happened if we don't do this call? Because dunks like that are supposed to be momentum shifting, and then a technical, all the everything gets sucked out of you at that point. That's a very fair point. I just I just thought Illinois, outside of Cokeburn, it's just not very good. They they don't their offense is not is not the greatest to watch. They don't, they force up a lot of shots and they don't move the ball around very well. Yeah, They, they probably should have lost Chattanooga. They, they were down the whole game. Barely, I, yeah. They, barely they, they only, they took the lead with 25 seconds left. That was their one. Lead. Yeah. It was their first lead of the game, right? Yeah. And so yeah. they probably should have lost that game too. And, but it was a similar story with Houston. Except Houston's a much better team. And that's why they ended up winning. Yeah. But the thing with Houston, though, is that I, I take them a lot more seriously than I did last year because even though they made the Final Four last year and they were a 2C, they beat all double-digit teams last year, uh-huh. double-digit seeds last year. And so they had the easiest path ever to a Final Four. But after the way they've looked, where they – it was UAB, so it's not like a great team, but like they dominated that team. And then Illinois, a pretty good Big Ten team, and uh, with Cokeburn being a – a candidate for what player of the year, like not just conference player of the year, but also like, it, yeah, the- I mean, there, there are a lot of guys in the discussion, but I think that's fair, but Houston looks great right now. And they're only a point underdogs to Arizona. And so I think they're, I don't know. I take them seriously. I do too. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Arizona. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. Um, just with the, you know, they're, they're a physical team. It's Kelvin Sampton. He, he finds ways to get these, uh, these guys out there that just, they, they play tough style of basketball. So we'll see bottom half of the bracket. You didn't get Loyola Chicago sweet 16 run, but you did nail that, uh, Michigan. So one of those <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people really saw coming. I, I knew that. deep down that picking Loyola Chicago was a, just a total, a public pick. Like I know it's not sure. Yeah, no, like, I, I, hey, yeah. that's my team. Like I got to pick them at least uh-huh. a couple, a game at least one. So I knew, I knew deep down, like all right, most people are going to be on Loyola. So naturally, Ohio State is going to win. Of course, that's what happened, and whatever. But yeah, I'm glad that Mich- Michigan. Even though I don't like Michigan, I'm glad that I was proven right that they at least won a couple games uh, in my bracket. And I feel like it happens way more than it should. Where just the team that gets crapped on. Uh, when the brackets are revealed, like, oh, how the heck did this team make it? There's no way they should have made it. And then all of a sudden, they prove the doubters wrong, and they and they actually make a run. And so, yep. So, even though it's kind of annoying, kind of proves my point that hey, see, like they actually are making a run now. Yeah, and I definitely saw it coming. Um, I was pretty high on Tennessee, but ultimately, I'm not surprised that they ended up losing Michigan and. We almost had an Ohio State Michigan Sweet Sixteen. That would have been fun. Yeah, that that was one thing I noticed. Like when Michigan won, and then it was Ohio State versus Villanova. I was thinking, even though Villanova is a much better team, I'm thinking, what if Ohio State actually wins and they actually, yeah, have the rivalry matchup in the Sweet Sixteen? Yeah, or was it something I ever considered? But it it would have been cool. Um, I I was pretty high on Villanova. I think that they were a team that was very overlooked. But they I think they're, they're overlooked because they they won in sixteen. They won in eighteen. It's like, mm-hmm. do you want to pick them and again? Not, well, well, I think a lot of it's just they're not as dominant as those teams we're were in the heading East, into the tournament. So they're not. I know and the Big East is kind of a forgotten conference. Yeah. So, and and they also uh, play a very slow, boring style of basketball. 
as well. Yeah, but they, I mean, they have one of the best coaches in the nation in Jay Wright. Colin Glaspie is a really solid player. Yeah, they have talent. So uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, Michigan's Cinderella run can continue. Who do you if, like uh, in that matchup? Uh, I, I like Villanova. Um, you know, they beat him in 2018. I think they're going to beat him again in 2022. So do you agree or? No, I just wanted to hear your take on it just because. I, mean, I know you have Michigan in your Elite Eight, but. But I, I, I don't, I don't feel as, I don't feel as good over. about that as other picks in my bracket. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and all right, let's wrap it up with what I called the region of chaos and what kind of looks like it in the Midwest. You know, up top we have Kansas Providence. So Iowa felt really good I, about them losing. <laughs> when that, when that upset happened, well, first of all, they missed a million threes. I I watched it. They, like, they struggle. Make, they should not have lost. They're one of the best three point shooting teams, and all of a sudden they can't hit uh, any threes whatsoever in that game. So that was that was then, frustrating to watch. But then, yeah, I felt like such an idiot because even though I picked them to make my final four, I literally said, "I hate that everyone's picking them," and I won't even be yeah. surprised if Richmond actually wins. And it actually happens, and and so I felt like such an idiot for picking them. But then the other teams I debated were them, Wisconsin, and Auburn, and all of a sudden. I know it's kind of a jumping three ahead. of them are out. Once, yeah. yeah, once Auburn and Wisconsin lost the other day, I was like, all right, well, now I don't I don't have any regrets now because the three yeah. teams I was picking. You weren't pick, picking Kansas. No, half that, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was, it was between uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Auburn, and the fact that all three of them are out, I was like, all right, great. Yeah, no big deal. And like you said, yeah, you were absolutely right. Uh, region of chaos for sure. And mm-hmm. so... I know. I I was hoping that we'd get a little chaos out of South Dakota State, uh, our 13 seed. I had them in the Sweet 16, and I I got it. Like I get everyone was in love with them, you know, not to the same scale of Iowa, and like people were doubting Providence, but to only score 57 points, they couldn't hit a shot either. They they were awful yeah, in that, that game. That was weird about that too. Is that they didn't play poorly defensively. They that was another team that couldn't shoot the ball well, uh-huh. and. That's what it takes, I guess, in this tournament is if you have one bad shooting night, that's it. You're out. Yeah, you're out. I know. So Kansas definitely seems like they have a pretty clear path to the Final Four at this point, especially looking at the bottom half. Miami against Iowa State. And look, I picked Miami to beat Auburn. I feel good about that. I said that Wisconsin, I love their chances to go to the Final Four. Wouldn't have been surprised they lost to Colgate. When it came down to it, the round that I felt most confident in them winning was the second round. And of course, that's where they go out. And it's not even like Iowa State dominated them. No, Iowa, really State well. is, Iowa State sucked in that game. Iowa Wisconsin State was just even, a train wreck. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say is that Iowa State didn't look very good at all. It's just that Wisconsin just flat out sucked. And then all of, a sudden they, all of a sudden they have an injury on their team. And, yeah, Chucky Hepburn going down was, was a tough one. They uh, No, they, they played really horrible basketball throughout that game. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to see them go down like that. You know, Johnny Davis. Oh, for seven from three, four for 16 from the floor. He was supposed to be the guy. And when he, he doesn't play well, they went two for 22 from three as a team, like shot less than 30% from the floor. That's what's going to happen. You're going to lose a game basically in your own backyard in Milwaukee to an Iowa state team. That's like, and you know, they're kind of a nice story after being two and twenty-two last year, but they're not that good of a team. Crazy so, that Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis, the both guys who are running for a Big Ten Player of the Year, they they both just were horrible yeah. in their in their losses. Yeah, I know, definitely. Uh, 
you know, it's it's tough for the Big Ten back to back years where they're just losing all these teams really early that you know you you wouldn't have seen coming or shouldn't have expected to have. So, still love Michigan, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm uh the the team yeah, I, I mean, like, this, the team I like yeah. the least in the Big Ten is the is the yeah. is the one of the two teams that's alive. Yeah, just as like a fan, you mean? Yeah, like I don't like Michigan. Like I guess like fan wise, I hate I, Ohio State more. Okay, but. like I don't, and I don't. Like I I also Michigan. think of basketball and football very differently. Mm-hmm. So football for me, it's Ohio State, but like basketball, Michigan, I'm always back and forth on. I'm not a fan of Juwan Howard. Like that's <laughs> he gives fair. me a reason to not like Michigan. Yeah, that's fair, especially after that fight. <laughs> yeah, with Wisconsin. Yeah, with the timeouts. Yeah, that would have been interesting yeah. if uh, if Wisconsin I know, was still we, alive. Yeah, we could have seen that in the semifinals. Right? Duke, North Carolina, <laughs> yeah, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, 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 yeah, Michigan yeah. Wisconsin. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, obviously I'm pulling for North Carolina, anyone but Duke. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it would be cool to see Arizona continue to win it all. But I feel I think a lot I'm less kind of a combination of, After oh, that I know, I do game, as well. Like, forget it. I'm not mm-hmm. that confident now in Arizona. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely close to the rooting for just who i want to win versus the my bracket, bracket but it's also I, I, it's a combination when of it comes to the brackets so. just the fact that i still have three and my four final four left I, I i guess i'm still rooting for my bracket but yeah i mean i have my national champion my one saving grace is not a lot of uh people have texas tech everyone has either gonzaga or duke so if the red raiders can pull it out then i'm in good shape but mostly because everyone else is in terrible shape yeah, and so. that, that would be the same thing with me with Duke instead of people. I'd imagine a lot yeah, more people have Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll have more to talk about with March Madness. I guess just real quickly, I did fill out a woman's bracket. Uh, you know, when the game talks are number one, I filled one out yeah. too. My bracket is killing it. It's in the ninety-seven percentile. I'm in the ninety-fifth percentile. I was like one of the top in the whole country oh, basically wow. after That's the first cool. round. But second round, I, I'm in tough sh- shape. I lost Baylor in the final four. I lost Iowa and LSU in the Elite Eight. So. I, I had I had Iowa in my Elite Eight. I remember you yeah, said that there, was South a, Carolina. there was a female Jimmy Caitlin Fredette. Clark. I know, and, I was and like, uh, Creighton like, shut right, well, her I got, down. I got to pick her to go right? make some sort of run, but then they're in the region with South Carolina, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have South Carolina winning, and I, I just... When it comes to the women's brackets, there there's just not as many upsets. So I just picked a few of them. No, and then but this year, like there's been a ton of upsets. Yeah, that's, you're that's losing two two seeds with Baylor and Iowa going out in the second round, which is, I mean, that's also kind of amazing when they play on their own home court. As the I, top I still seeds. have all my Final Four teams, and that's only because I picked uh, three one seeds and then UConn. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I uh... and then I have Notre Dame in my Elite Eight. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Do I? I don't I, think I do. I obviously don't know anything about women's basketball. I I mostly picked favorites. Yeah, I, I also picked UConn over NC State. But yeah, I, I had Baylor over Tennessee, who I had beating Louisville. So, yeah. Um, you know, this is one matchup where I'm really hoping that North Carolina basketball does not win with uh, them going up against South Carolina. But a few years ago, they met in the Sweet 16 where South Carolina was a one seed and North Carolina pulled off the upset. So, Definitely prepared for that to happen. Uh, but, you know, certainly still hoping the Gamecocks, who only gave up, I think, 54 points in the first two rounds, easily a tournament record, can uh, keep up the See defense. See that first half score in their first game versus Howard? 44, 44 to, to four. four. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually had a chance to go to that game. Um, I wasn't going to get to town in time, but that would have been a fun one to go to in person, I guess. Like, bad for that other team, Howard. I know. It is, it's, you see those kind of scores in women's basketball a lot, yeah. where it's just like these dominant teams, and the, the other team just doesn't. Well, that's what I hate chance. about Gino and UConn set. Yeah, not only I mean, are they they're do- always the team that's yeah, not only are they winning, but they're dominating, and they're dominating mm-hmm. like the best teams too, the other best yep. teams. It's yep. like, oh, great! You got all the best kids on your team at recess, and you piled them on the, <laughs> on the one team. Great! Uh-huh. I know they haven't won it in like five years, though. Good, good. So, yeah, <laughs> I know they have a healthy page back. Yeah, so, so well, I, I like their chances. Have you noticed this year. during college basketball? There's been that Buick commercial that keeps showing where yeah yeah where the, it, oh well there is this female it that, shows it has the audio but it doesn't have the it video. shows the audio but doesn't show the actual clip where like oh only ten percent of people actually like uh-huh. get to see like the I watched the Arike Agumbawale shot I did too right so, that was my so my I'm, thought, watch, like, I'm watching that commercial I'm like screw this commercial I saw that yeah I saw same. I, I had the same reaction I, had, I know I saw the shots I I I had a Good I moment. I was watching that live. I know that was that was an awesome moment. I um I was a big fan of that that moment. That was that was really cool. I was definitely watching that. I watched you know the entire Final Four that year, um and then they also have the one from like the Frozen Four where someone won on like a sudden death yeah. overtime. And I'm like, no one watched the men's championship either. Like, settle down. No one cares about college hockey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, I I love hockey, but I I only watched the final. Of the Frozen yeah. War. And, and not even like the whole game, like the third period. <laughs> I used to watch UNH when they were in it, but as soon as they got eliminated, I I stopped caring. And they haven't been good for years. So. Yeah, I, I'll only watch the, the final, literally the final. The the, the yeah, last game the and the last Frozen period four of the Frozen Four. Yeah, so that's yeah. a great point too. Like no one watches the men's one either. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, that'll wrap up the uh, the college basketball talk. So let's get ready to conclude this episode with five questions. And Brian, you can start with question number one. Okay, great. Yeah, so question number one. Last weekend, a pair of shortstops ended their free agency with Carlos Correa joining the Twins and Trevor Story inking a new deal with the Red Sox. What are your reactions to these two major deals? Yeah, so let's start with Correa just because this one happened first and it was – I mean, he was the guy that was seen as the number one free agent in all of baseball. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was very surprised that he signed with Minnesota. Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that were in talks for him. I think that a lot of people were expecting him to go back to Houston. And I never heard the twins in the discussion, but they gave him a three year, $105 million deal, $35 million a year, opt outs after both years. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really solid move for the twins. I love that the, uh, the Yankees essentially chose Do- Josh Donaldson over Correa and making that trade, which makes, helps Correa which, go to Minnesota, which makes no yeah. sense. And not no, the Yankees I, have been having a terrible off season. So I liked Josh, Josh, uh, Donaldson, but not now. <laughs> no, he's old. He's past his prime. It's a lot of money. And like a lot of people are like, Oh, why would Correa go to a team? That's not even a contender. Like I know the twins were terrible last year, but they, made the playoffs three of the last four years they still have a lot of really solid players on that team so um, i definitely think the twins can compete in the al central i think they can be a really good team and now i guess it's a question of what happens with correa and i think that a lot of the thought behind him signing a short-term deal is that scott boris didn't want to have to share money with his old agent he'd rather reap in all the benefits of correa's actual long-term contract but 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Correa ends up sticking around in Minnesota for a couple of years. I was surprised by the team choice and the length of the deal. I thought it would be either returning to Houston or going to the Yankees. Those were the top two choices I thought it would be. And then apparently the Orioles were in on him. Yeah, which I don't know why you go to ball, a nice ballpark, but yeah, I mean that, they're they're going to be really good in the future. It'd be one of those like it would Houston, for Chicago things where you load up yeah. all these draft picks and then all of a sudden you're amazing. Yeah, I could see that, mm-hmm. but I don't know why he would have picked there. But yeah, I'm surprised by the team choice. And like you said, it's not that Minnesota stinks. Like they're they like you said made the playoffs three of the last four years. So they're a decent team. I think they'd be in the running for the Hail Central, but I don't know about their World Series team. They're a weird team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're not a, they don't stand out like a team like New York or Philly or you know, some of those other things. It's not a huge teams. market either. Chicago. Yeah. I know. There are a lot of he was connected to a lot of big markets. And uh yeah, I think a lot of people thought he'd end up getting a three hundred million dollar deal. My guess is the whole Scott Boris factor. And, you know, he was the one who convinced him to just take a shorter deal. Um, but yeah, I don't know what his market was throughout the the off season, but he ended up getting thirty five million a year, so that seems like pretty good paycheck for you know. I a guess year that's the one thing that I wasn't surprised by was the amount of money per year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that the yeah, like you said, the Twins should be contenders. They haven't won a playoff game in you know a very long time now. It's been like seventeen or eighteen tries for them, so. Uh, I don't know that Correa is necessarily going to lead them to the promised land, but it's certainly an exciting move. And one of those deals that I'm like, well, if the Twins can pay Correa $35 million a year, then uh, the Pirates, one of these days, Bob Nutting can shell out for a player of that caliber and, you know, hope to hope to get some success there. But, um, you know, that's that might just be wishful thinking, especially given that they're about to take Brian Reynolds to arbitration over $650,000 when he's like the best player they've had since Kutch. So... I think of all the episodes where you've talked about the Pittsburgh Pirates, I don't think you've ever talked about them in a positive way. Like this is going to be great for <laughs> every time you talk about the Pirates. It's something, so something depressing. It just sounds depressing. Yeah, yeah I know it's depressing to be a fan of. One team is not depressing to be a fan of is the Red Sox. You know, they always find a way to be relevant. And uh, we can talk about the Trevor Story signing. And this was one where you know my first reaction was, well, I guess Bogarts is gone now. That was my first reaction, too. Hard to believe that Trevor Story is going to be content being a second baseman for the rest of his career, uh, especially given he signed a six-year deal. That's a lot of money. But, yeah, I mean, it's another bat for the Red Sox. Probably replaces Kyle Schwarber in the lineup while giving them a solid defender. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a solid deal. I like the they, they time, made a move. Unlike right, some exactly. teams in New England, I right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, they, they did finally something. make a big move. I'm glad that he chose the Red Sox over the Yankees. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think the Red Sox are like the pitching is going to be an issue. Yeah, it's and, the same thing as last year where mm-hmm. we like their offense. They could be one of the better ones in the league, but it comes down to their pitching. And then that's not looking great right now because Chris Sale has a, is it a fractured rib, right? That he, that, yeah, it's and he didn't I even mean, report it until recently, which is kind of odd uh, as well. But yeah, when it comes to Trevor Story signing, yeah, I like it. It's like you said, it's a good bat in the lineup. He strikes out a little bit too much, and I worry about the the home road splits, especially since he played in Colorado, where yeah. you know that they're playing in the Mile High City, and the ball travels much farther in Colorado. 
And so I yeah, not I, not everyone is like that. Like I think Nolan Arenado had really solid home road splits, but I think I saw Tory story was like two forty on the road. Troy, I don't know if that was just last year. Troy Tulowitzki is not a good comparison. Yes, he played the same position, but Troy Tulowitzki was also older and more broken down as well. Yeah. And so he he had hip problems. So that's not a good comparison. But yeah, when you see Arenado and Holiday, yeah, like. There are some Colorado guys that still have success, even going on a different team. But yeah, yeah like I do worry about the road home road splits. But at the same time, when you're on the Rockies, don't you feel like it's kind of difficult trying to prepare going on the road when you're on the Rockies? Oh, yeah. Because when you no, when it, you're going on the road, you're in a different altitude, and so I'd imagine uh, that there are different changes to your swing and and a lot of other things, and so it probably does throw you off when you're on the road when you play for the Rockies. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's totally different. I mean, we we talked about their home road splits as a team where they were like a I think like 48 and 33 at home, but like 26 and 55 away, just something ridiculous. So, it's uh yeah, it's it's definitely different playing inside course field and outside of course field, but I'm I'm optimistic that Story can be a valuable contributor and yeah, just kind of hope that the Red Sox can compete with some of the other loaded teams in the Yeah, overall I like the signing. I like that they did something and I I've said mm-hmm. plenty of times that I don't want to see Christian Arroyo again as their starting second baseman. So <laughs> no, I'm, I would I'm much glad- rather have Trevor Story. Yeah, cuz I'm glad that we have yeah, we have Story now and I'd imagine he'll be like you said good in the field and a good bat and hopefully the home road splits aren't concerning and hopefully he doesn't strike out as much as he has in the past. Yeah. And then we'll see what that means for Bogart yeah, and, and like, I what guess does, Devers as well. Yeah. And that's obviously a big concern. Like, does that mean it's hard to picture all three of those guys on big contracts in the infield sticking around long-term? I, I hope that they bring back Bogarts because if it's between story or Bogarts, I'd rather have Bogarts and I'll yeah, make probably some Red Sox bias, but no, I, I believe now Bogarts isn't like an amazing fielder, but he's a pretty good shortstop and he's obviously a great yep. bat and he's their best player. I'd rather have Bogarts over story. And so I, I'll admit, I, I like the story signing, but at the same time, I don't, if that means Bogarts is gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. I had the exact same thoughts on it. All right. Question number two. Several players were on the mood move ahead of Monday's NHL trade deadline. How do you feel about your team's Stanley Cup chances now? Yeah, so the Bruins picked up defenseman, left shot defenseman Hampus Lindholm from the Anaheim Ducks. And that's definitely a good move for the Bruins because I've said several times that the Bruins really need help with defensemen, especially at the left shot where, yes, they have McAvoy and Carlo, but after them, it's really not great after that, especially on the left side. And so picking up a left shot defenseman will certainly help. When they first made this move, I wasn't a fan because it's like, oh my God, they gave up a first round pick and two second rounders and and other players just for a rental. But then all of a sudden, immediately they signed a long-term like an eight year deal. Yeah. An eight year deal. So it's like, all right, well now, now I like it more than I originally did. And then, yeah, so I like that signing, but at the same time, I don't, I still don't love the Bruins cup chances because I I still think they need more. They needed to do more at the deadline where I think they needed more help at forward. The second line center would have been great, but then all of a sudden Claude Giroux, who I would have loved on the Bruins, I probably would have loved the Bruins chances uh, if they were to pick up him. He goes to Florida yeah. instead. And what I, I hear, think he only wanted to go to the Panthers. That's, well, that's what hurts the, though, is that, yeah, I hear that he had a node trade clause and the Bruins actually were trying to get him, but he wouldn't waive it for anyone but Florida. It's like, ah, oh, great mm-hmm. like that's or, or great that like that sucks 
<laughs> and yeah, so, and you ended up playing them in the first round. Yeah, and, and Florida, I certainly take more seriously than I have in the past. And so, yeah, it hurt. It hurts from that standpoint. And then also, uh, Jake DeBrusque, a uh, winger on their team, there's been a lot of talks of him wanting to be traded. And they signed him to a two-year extension for $4 million. And my original thought was when that happened is that, all right, well, they're trying to tr- trade him and they want other teams to feel good about it because it's not just a rental. They could have him for another couple more years on their team. And so mm-hmm. I thought he was gone and he doesn't want to be here. I know. I was surprised that he survived the deadline. But then he Did survived he the deadline. Trade, like really early in the year. Yeah, it's been happening for months now. And so I'm surprised it didn't happen. And now he's here and now he has to perform perform well because if he still wants mm-hmm. out, he has to show that he's worth trading for. And yeah, I just hate it that he's still here because he talked about after when the deadline ended and in a press conference that, yeah, it's been really tough for me. It's like, you're on the Bruins. <laughs> you're playing with Bergeron yeah. and Martian, like two of the best players in the uh, league. Oh, it's been so tough. I, so I, I, he's, he's, I don't, I don't like DeBrusque. He's, he's a brat and I, I wish he was gone, but he's not, he's still here. And it sucks because I really liked him when they drafted him because his rookie year, he, he was immediately a second line winger next to Krejci and he scored like 26 goals. Like, wow, this guy's a stud. But now I, I, I can't stand the guy. Yeah, I know. That's that's a tough situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Bruins are in a tough spot where it's just like, well, really the whole Eastern Conference, like it's it's loaded. Yeah, There's the so Eastern Conference teams, is loaded. And like the Bruins being the fourth best team in their division, like doesn't sound great, but it's just because like they have three awesome teams right above them. And I do think there's a chance that they can still pull through. Like it's fair to question Florida and Toronto based on their past playoff history. But that's a really, really tough division, really tough conference. Um, in terms of the Penguins, I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good. Carolina looks really strong. They didn't really do a whole lot, but they also didn't need to do a whole lot at the deadline. So, um, But yeah, the Penguins also made a deal with Anaheim, picking up Ricard Raquel. Only a second-round pick instead of a first. Did give up um, Dominic Simone and As- Zach Aston reese who there would be non-factors the team needed to get like legit like middle wing depth because it's a big been a big drop off outside of jake gensel brian russ um and you know of course malkin and um sydney crosby in the the center but i uh i do like the move i think it's a really good move for the penguins he's an unrestricted free agent they have a ton of unrestricted free agents really puts the pressure on but uh i guess just within the, within the contracts of the the rest of the metro like i said carolina didn't really do a lot rangers made some moves like they picked up a lot of guys but they didn't make a big splash play like a lot of people were expecting them to do washington didn't really do anything significant so i don't think that any of the other teams got that much better than the penguins and um yeah, I mean, I, I, there's reason to feel good about Pittsburgh. I think a lot of it comes down to can Tristan Jari prove that last year was a fluke or is he just not the same player come playoff time because he is a phenomenal goalie in the regular season and has been awesome all year. Um, and then, yeah, how much of an impact is Raquel going to have? Is he going to provide that secondary scoring that the Penguins have been lacking in the last couple months? So I, 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 like, I, like, that things. I like that move because he's... yeah. He's a left shot that can actually play wing or center, and so he's mm-hmm. versatile in that aspect. I would have liked the Bruins to get him because he could play second line center, and I, I think it's a good move. Even though he's an unrestricted free agent, and they traded a second round pick, like that's totally fine if you're contending. 
you, you yeah, mean, oh, of it, course. And I mean, the pressure is on the Penguins. Both uh, Evgeny Malkin and Crystal Ting are unrestricted free agents. Same with Brian Rust. Still opportunities to work out long-term deals with any of those guys, but Penguins could look very different next year. So the Bruins uh, made a deal like the pursuit in 2019 the where they traded a second-round pick for Marcus Johansson, and he was a great wing on the third line with Charlie Coyle, and they made it all over the Game Seven of the Stanley Cup. And I, that, I thought that move, even though he did not come back to the Bruins, I thought that move was still worth it. Yeah, yeah, and then you know sometimes it's just those rental players that put teams over the top. Yeah, um, I guess some teams that are not a huge fan of, uh, you know, one team that's kind of my Western Conference team, the Golden Knights. Uh, they had a really, really tough deadline and missed a really tough stretch in their season. Yeah. So. The uh, NHL did officially rule that um, Evgeny Dadanov, dad, dad yeah, yeah <laughs> that the the trade that they tried to trade him to the Ducks apparently had no idea that he had a no trade clause that prevented him from going to Anaheim, so that fell through. Yeah, there are a lot of great uh, memes about that one. <laughs> yeah, now they're stuck with him. Not like the the Golden Knights obviously don't want him around. I mean, he's making way too much money for them, and you know they. It's a it's a tough spot. I, I was really high on Vegas, but I'm not I'm not feeling very good. Yeah, about this team right <laughs> same now. Thing, same exact thing with me. I I like I love them coming in the year, but yeah, I I think I'd take Colorado now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Avalanche are loaded. They're another team at the it, Hurricanes. They didn't be, really need to do a lot. It'd be disappointing so. for Colorado if they don't win a cup within the next oh, for one, sure. I mean, one or two years, maybe. I think this year, I mean, I I don't know if Stanley Cup or bust because they will continue to be really good, but it's going to be. It's approaching Stanley Cup or bust, though. Yeah. Because I think they're the favorites now. Yeah, they should be. They're the best team in the league points wise and just talent wise. So. Mm Um, and then Mark Andre Fleury going to Minnesota. Like I don't necessarily love him going to the Wild, but Bill Guerin, his former teammate, is a GM, and it's a way better situation than Chicago. So. They traded a first round pick, though, right? Conditional first round pick. Okay. Yeah, I forget what the the details are on that. Um, I didn't really look too much into it. I think it has to do with how well the Wild do in the playoffs this mm-hmm. year. But yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see Flurry have some more success, and uh, he'll be a free agent. He'll have the opportunity to go wherever he wants after this. So, okay, great. So, question number three Are you offended, flattered, annoyed, or indifferent when someone asks to check your ID? Yeah, I actually really like this question. And uh, my answer really varies depending on the context. Um, But I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm not flattered. I'm 26 years old. I know that I don't look very old. Like, it's not, I'm way too young to think, like, oh, yeah, you don't think I'm 21? Like, that's not necessarily a good thing right now. Um, So I guess I'll start off by saying if it's for something that's 18 plus, then yes, I'm very annoyed um and maybe a little offended by it uh that that's happened only on two occasions one time actually happened for an r-rated movie when i was 21 uh, i don't remember what the movie was the one thing i'll say is i was in line with my friends right after a group of kids who were like very clearly just barely 17 so i think that was why i was id'd because he didn't know what group i was in that's at least what i tell myself because people younger than me who were able to just walk in right after me. <laughs> so that was kind of embarrassing. Um, and then there was another time where I think it was like really awkward trying to buy lottery tickets for like a, like a Christmas, like white elephant Yankee swap thing. Um, didn't really, 
I don't know if I, it might've been my first time buying lottery tickets. And that was another time where I was definitely 21 and still I did for something I had to be 18 to do. So those were two times that were kind of uh, embarrassing, but at least kind of can defend them. Um, for the most part, it really just comes down to how the question is asked. Like, I'm not going to be annoyed by someone who's like, I will get fired if I serve you alcohol right now without at least checking your ID first. Um, but when there have been a handful of times, it's been a long time, like really in my like really young 21, 22 year old days where people would check my ID and they would either assume it was fake or they would like not believe that I'm actually 21. Like they would be like, Oh, I need to see some ID right now. Like that would piss me off. Be like, seriously, I'm not trying to pull a fast one on you right now. Like believe that I'm 21. Um, th those are times I'll be annoyed overall. I like it when I'm not carded because it's somewhat inconvenient to have to, you know, pull your ID out of your wallet. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I totally understand it when they need to, like it is, you know, I, I should be ID'd most places given that I barely look like I'm old enough to drink. Yeah. So for 18 and older stuff, like you said, in early twenties range, I was like, all right, like I, that makes me feel fine like, or feel good. But now if I get checked for 18 plus stuff, forget <laughs> it. I'm annoyed. Yeah. I'd yeah. be annoyed by that. But for 21 or older stuff, I would say, yeah, I still, flatter is not the right word, but I still feel good about it. It's like, all right, I could pass for early twenties, like whatever. I remember when my family and I, we went to Encore, we were approaching the casino and all this the, was like two weeks ago. Yeah. A few weeks ago. And, and, uh, I was wearing my mask and sometimes I just do it out of necessity. You didn't have to wear it, but sometimes I just do it out of necessity because of just how often we, I, I've had to wear it or how, how everyone's yeah. had to wear it. And so I was wearing it. Just and, used to it. Yeah. Just used to it. And then all of a sudden the, the guy working, at the door he's like take off your mask my first reaction when that happens like we gotta take off our mask now come on <laughs> seriously we've had all this time we've had to put uh, your mask on put your mask on now you gotta take it off like that so yeah. i was super confused in the moment but then when he after i took off my mask he says i gotta check your id like oh okay so uh he ha he doesn't know if i'm 21 or not like all right cool yeah. all right so it makes me feel good and what's funny is that i was with my mom at that time and after the guy checks my id my mom goes, "Do I does my ID need to be checked?" And and the guy's like, "No, nah, you're all set." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "All yeah. right, well, like I could, I'm, I could still pass for around that age." So it makes me feel. Did good. he at least wish you a happy birthday? Yeah. So that's another thing. Okay. The guy also wished me a happy birthday too, which is great. That's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess for 21 or older stuff makes me feel good, but yeah, for 18 or older, forget it. Seriously, how often does that happen? It happened. So one time when I was. 23 or 24 something like that so early yeah. 20s i did get checked for an id for buying it was like lottery tickets or powerball tickets and it caught me off guard like oh wow i haven't had to do this in a yeah. while and it's like right and the guy actually told me you look 18 like all right great so at the time early 20s it's like all right that makes you feel good but now if that happened like screw you <laughs> but one no, time I, i've one time I've been used to looking younger my whole life. Like I don't need constant reminders of it. The one time though, I went to uh, the liquor store and this was a year or two ago. And that's an obviously 20 year old one or older kind of place. Yeah. And they need to check your ID. The guy didn't check my ID. I'm like, Oh my God. Like this, that was my first <laughs> moment of feeling old. 
And uh-huh. that was that was like a couple of years ago. Going yeah, I know. This, yeah, there, there's definitely some times where I'm like really surprised by it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to the context and it's exactly. really, if, if they, if they ask it in like a rude way, like then that, then that's, that's, like, an, that's another thing. Me. The way they ask it too is, mm-hmm. uh, is a big part of it as well of either feeling good about it or feeling annoyed. Yep. All right. Question number four. Last week we counted down our top five vacation destinations. What are the most overrated and underrated vacation destinations to you? I'll start with underrated just because, uh, Last week, I put down Maine uh, or parts of Maine as in my top five. I don't think it'd be underrated here, but I feel like it'd be underrated for people anywhere like outside of New England because I think it's a mm-hmm. good place to go to, uh, especially during the summertime. So I'll put that as underrated, even though it's not underrated here in New England. It's it's underrated for I would yes, say the rest of the rest of the country exactly. For overrated, I'm. I'm going to go with New York City. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. I'm not a fan. You know, you remember uh, Nigel Hayes on Wisconsin? He, he Yeah, so he... Sounds somewhat familiar. So, he, so yeah, he used to play for the Wisconsin Badgers, of course. And there was one time where they were in the tournament and they were playing Florida. And okay, yeah, they were playing in Madison Square Garden. He was asked about how he feels about New York. His feelings on New York are basically the exact same feelings I have, where it's just... It's just too many people. It's too big. It's too trashy. It's, I think it's very, very overrated. And I'm not the biggest Broadway fan. And my my family, especially one of my cousins, is huge on Broadway, but it's not my thing. And yeah, it's just way too yeah too big, too dirty, trashy, too expensive. Everything is yeah. so expensive there. It's ridiculous. Uh, taxis uh, will cost like 20 bucks even for just like a half a mile. And your meals that you think would be like 10, 15, or 20 dollars would be like 50 or 60 bucks. It's crazy expensive in New York. Yeah, I have no desire going back to New York. Like, I think eventually I'll go there, uh, but I haven't been back since like fourth grade on a field trip. Um, I was talking to one of our friends about she was saying that she was going to go to New York in a couple months. And I just like, I, I'm not going with you. I've, I have no interest in doing that. So, um, you, so you actually agree with me to an extent. on? Yeah, I mean, so my my answer, I guess, like, I don't think of it as a vacation spot uh, immediately just because I've never been there. My first answer in terms of overrated vacation destinations, a place that is like 100 percent a vacation destination is Myrtle Beach. Um, I think that's a place where like a lot of people who aren't super familiar with it, like especially from up north, like they, they see like commercials, like golf courses and stuff. They're like, oh, I want to go to Myrtle. Like that's the that's the beach I need to go to. And then you get down there. You're like, ah, this isn't any special. This is just any other like trashy beach that I could go to. Damn, um, that sounds that doesn't sound great, man. Because I know because if I were down there, I'd like, hey, you guys have been to Myrtle Beach. That's that'd be like the first thing that come to mind for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I always liked going there as like big, like college vacations. Um, you know, we would always go to North Myrtle, which is like a little better. But yeah, I mean, it, just walking around, I'm like, this isn't really all that special. You know, if you love cheap strip clubs and you would love Myrtle Beach, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I haven't been to one, but I've, I've heard uh, that it's, you know, at least at least from some people that it's not the uh, the nicest there either um but yeah i mean myrtle beach is one where like i think my mom has talked about wanting to go on vacations there and i'm like you know there are way better beaches that you could go to just based on my experience there 
Um, most underrated, I did like the idea of saying something like Lake Winnipesaukee. Yeah, or, Lake like, Winnipesaukee was the other one. Of the other too. Yeah, which just like thinking of it like outside of New England. Like I think that New England's a really cool place, whether it's going to like enjoying like the summer side of it or even the fall or winter with like skiing or just leaf peeping. Uh, one answer I have that's kind of a random one is uh, Seychelles. So that's a um, island nation off the coast of Africa. I had heard of it before. didn't know anything about it until I was watching a um, Price is Right episode a few years ago. And that was like a vacation destination spot. And I was like, wow, that looks beautiful there. I would have never guessed that. So that's my answer. I think like a lot of people think of like, oh, the Caribbean or like, you know, um, Indonesia and like other parts of like the Pacific, Bali, like all those. Uh, I don't know that anyone ever thinks of Seychelles and like the African coast, the Mediterranean, like that's one. So to me, that's that's what I'm going to go with for underrated vacation spot. If you're trying to go to a, a really nice beach in uh, the middle of the ocean somewhere outside of the U.S., maybe that's a place to look at. Yeah, and obviously, New York City isn't like anything like those places, but there are a lot of tourists. That was oh for sure no way i totally get it like new york city being a very overrated vacation spot um i did they do have a uh, margaritaville resort in times square though so if i go to new york city i would want to go to the margaritaville (laughs) resort it looked really cool i saw a video of it a few weeks ago Um, super random thing to do in new york but i'd be about it okay great last question number question number five now a week since the season finale aired, how do you feel about the ending to the latest season of The Bachelor? I'm like just about done with the show. It's <laughs> yeah, it, this season was so ridiculous. So I guess just to set some context, so the the lead is named Clayton Eckerd. He I didn't watch the season that he was like of the bachelorette that he was a contestant on. He was not one of the finalists. He was just a random person that they decided was going to be the next lead. And uh, I, I had no context going into it because of that. And I, I just throughout the season, I was just like, I, why do I keep watching the show? Like, this isn't entertaining to me. There's just like a ton of drama in the beginning. And um, by the time it finally gets down to the end, that's what I'm like. Okay. This is what I actually like when it's like, you get rid of like all of the random, girls or guys who have no chance you're just down to the end with like the actual favorites and uh it gets to the final three and the way that the show works is once you get to the final three it's fantasy suites so basically the you know the bachelor or the bachelorette gets to go on a romantic overnight date cameras off with each of the three remaining contestants if they so choose and um, I think it's kind of like give or take in the past uh, with the bachelor or the bachelorette, whether they choose to sleep with all of the women or all the men um, or not. But one thing that most of them don't do is tell all three of them that they're in love with them, which is what Clayton did. And he specifically told one of them that he loved her the most. And she said, well, if you told all like the other two girls that you love them and you slept with them, I don't think I can move forward with you as my fiance. And uh, it led to this really messy, disturbing breakup where Clayton was just like a really bad guy, like the way that that all played out. Very uncomfortable to watch. And um, after that, he told the other two girls that you know, what happened and that he's like, I'm in love with all of you. I slept with all of you. 
And uh, they're just like, what is going on? Like, they're thinking they're special. Like, they're going to end up with this guy. And they're like, no, that's not the case. And it was, uh, yeah, really, really poorly handled by Clayton because he convinced both of these girls, so Rachel and Gabby, to stick around after Susie left. Introduced both of them to his parents, was like, I'm going to move forward with them. And is like, you know, the whole time I couldn't stop thinking about Susie. So I'm going to break up with Rachel and Gabby and try again with Susie. And he breaks up with Rachel and Gabby at the same time. So they're Wait, like, uh, like in the same room, like they're in the same room. Like, hey, I'm going to pursue Susie. I'm breaking up with both of you. <laughs> And naturally they're 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 both very upset. Like two different emotions. Gabby is like, you just kept us around because your pride was hurt after Susie. We were just like a backup choice. You convinced us to stay, and now you're like, well, no, you're instead of us leaving on our terms, you're sending us home on your terms. It's just like this really like powerful statement to him. And uh a lot of people fell in love with Gabby with the way she handled it. He like asked her, like, can I walk you out? She's like, No, are you kidding? <laughs> um, yeah. So she she definitely handled the breakup like 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 I think in a very, very mature, awesome, like made for TV way. Rachel was clearly in love with him, like horribly heartbroken and um she couldn't believe how that all happened and it was really tough to see that play out from her side um and then yeah clayton decides to propose to Susie, and she says no she says no sorry i really can't move forward with you we're done forever so you're like well all right clayton screwed himself over we go to the you know we're live at the finale with uh jesse palmer as the host a former nfl college quarterback and um He's like, yeah, well, so we heard that someone reached out to you and we have a surprise. And then, of course, who walks out? Susie. Turns out they're in a relationship after all. And everything that we dealt with is just like, uh, well, all these people are like, man, Susie made a great choice walking away from Clayton. And nope, here she is back with them. And it's just like, I mean, happy for you, but. like the, the, that was that wasn't a fun way to end the season. And I think that. I've been very disappointed by a lot of these recent seasons and like how everything has played out. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of this show. And I guess what Gabby and Rachel are going to be co-bachelorettes and they're going to be competing for the same 30 men. So of course I'm going to watch. I'm going to see how that plays out. What kind of drama is going to come out of that? And uh, yeah, it, it's really frustrating, but uh, I think most people really hated this season. I know a lot of people who didn't watch and I'm jealous of all the people who didn't watch because it was just a very frustrating two-month experience for me and I just couldn't get enough of it. So yeah, definitely not going to recommend you get into the show at this point. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Also, there are rumors that Bachelor in Paradise might not be happening and that's easily the best version of the show. So if they get rid of Bachelor in Paradise, then I'm going to be like, I have no reason to keep watching the rest of the show. So could be a good thing. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, you know, fun, fun five question segment. We haven't done that in a while. I think it's our first, it, definitely our first of the new season. So, um, we had some good ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. I know we, uh, it's, it's fun to kind of talk about random stuff and mix in some more sports topics in there because this time of year, it's, it's hard to talk about stuff other than football and basketball, you know, particularly college basketball. Yeah, so but, well, March is great though, because March is a fantastic because of March madness. And then luckily NFL, even though, even when it's not playing, it's still kind of King because of all the moves yes. that are happening. All the, I know all the free agency and trades and stuff by far the season. best NFL off season I can remember. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely definitely been crazy. I'm sure there'll be more to talk about with it. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll be back with more more fun sports talk the the rest of the uh the month and the rest of the spring yeah, as you we got, approach the you still got more college basketball to go yep i'd imagine there'll be another crazy nfl move right no it, who it seems is. like something seems like something happen. will happen the tyree kill news i'd never heard about until literally this morning like everyone else oh i know and then it just happened just like uh, that just kind of out going of nowhere. To miami yeah and, and then and then you have the masters coming up in early april and and then you'll have the playoffs Yep, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, NFL draft, all going on right around the same time. I'm all about the draft now, too. (laughs) Yes, I know. There'll be a lot lot to talk about. No no matter how much I love the the Bill Burr clip of him crapping on the draft, I'm (laughs) I'm one of those people now where it's like, yeah, I'm all about the draft. just got to watch it. (laughs) All right, so that'll do it for this one. For my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Courtney Votney. Thanks, everyone.